Thanks for joining us at Colts to Consciousness. This storytelling podcast is meant to be for entertainment purposes only and does not substitute for any medical advice. We may discuss triggering topics and we ask that you make your personal mental health a priority. Lastly, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the host. The men see the women as possessions. If you act miserable, then that's a sin. If you're jealous, that's a sin. A lot of times I felt like these women that were like so excited, it was a show. These girls are just pretending. They're just pretending. These are women who have been bred to live that way. I was told my whole life, this is what you are going to do. This polygamous mom who married her half-brother, she was like... Oh my gosh. Yeah. She was like, a polygamous relationship is the happiest relationship you could ever be in in your entire life. People that are living monogamy on the outside are so miserable. And I remember thinking, you're sleeping with your brother. Let's just say it like it is. Yes. How could that be better? Hey guys, my name is Shalise Ansola, and this is Cults to Consciousness, where we discuss leaving high-demand religions or organizations and finding healing and independence through awareness and true individual sovereignty. If you're only listening and you want to see our faces, go to my YouTube channel at Cults to Consciousness, where you can join in on the conversation, leave your comments and your thoughts, and your support for the guests. I love seeing how supportive everyone is for all of our amazing, vulnerable, vulnerable guests who are coming on and sharing their stories. Today's guest, you asked for her not once, not twice, but a bajillion times. And I love it. We have finally been able to make this happen. We did an episode already where I got to ask her a whole bunch of questions about her story. And now this episode, we are going deeper into the polygamy, not only polygamy or forced polygamy, but incestuous polygamy of the Kingston clan, which is part of the fundamentalist Latter-day Saint, aka Mormonism group. Thank you so much for joining us again, Amanda Ray. Hello. Yes. We're going to be talking about incest. <laughs> a lot of incest. So fun. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. To, I mean, I was watching your, so you have a YouTube channel. I was watching your YouTube channel about my family bush, aka family tree. And I was going cross-eyed trying to, like, it makes sense when you lay it out in the tree. But then when you're like, so this is my aunt, but also my cousin. And I'm also, I'm like, hold on. <laughs> my my wires are crossed. Yep. I even get confused sometimes. Yep. I'm like, <laughs> I don't, I'm like related to these people in multiple different ways because of so many different incests. Like their parents did incest and right. then the parents' parents. Yeah. If you're confused, uh, don't be afraid because so am I. <laughs> and <laughs> I was confused. afraid when I learned about it. <laughs> I didn't know until I got a little older. Oh, really? When did you find out about it? So my dad got his third wife and I honestly didn't even know that they were related till I got a little older and my mom, my, so like I've told you this in the last episode, my mom was not born in this. So Mm -hmm. her getting manipulated into marrying my dad and being the second wife. And then on top of that, finding out that he's, he's been having direction on his half sister or whatever. Like they, they had meetings that he needs to marry his half sister. She was mad. She was very upset about the whole situation. And um, he married her anyway, even though my mom voiced that she didn't believe that that was right. Mm. But so I found out when I got it, I think I was like, maybe in my teenage years when I found out that my dad had actually married his own half sister. And I, I was shocked. Like, I could not believe that he would do that. But then I, I think this was around the time that I started losing a lot of respect for him because he's definitely a very narcissistic person too and i didn't really have a very good relationship with him because he had like 30 plus kids right so yeah we didn't my mom did not like it's like she liked to pretend that that never happened so we honestly we didn't really 
see the third wife's family very much. It's not like rare that that happens. Like the leader, I have a video on Paul's 27 wives and I, I dissect like how he's related to every single one of them. I believe he's related to, so three of them are his sisters and then two are his nieces. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's really hard to find anyone in the leadership and the leader and his brothers that aren't married to at least one of their own half sisters and they have kids with them. And so a lot of people ask on the outside, uh, so is there not going to be deformities because you're marrying Mm -hmm. so close? And there is. And I think that the first signs of deformity, so I've seen like kids that are born without ears and like just there's internal issues that they have because of the parents are so close. So then the leader started to do blood testing to see, I don't know, I don't know how it works because I've never done blood testing, but he did blood testing to see what families could marry what families um, and not have as many deformities. I don't know what kind of science that is. I don't even know if that's legal right. to be doing. But I had asked around while I was in the group, did you guys, did you get blood tested? I've heard that, that kids are getting blood tested and they would be like, oh, well, yeah, but it was just for, to see if we were sick or whatever. I'm like, when have we ever done medical stuff here? Oh. <laughs> they, they were doing it to see who could breed with who. Oh my God. This is new information, actually. There is a huge wave of infertility in a lot of the men because of so much inbreeding. So no a lot of women are secretly getting, is it called IVF? Yeah, in vitro fertilization. Mm-hmm. Because their husbands are like in, almost infertile. And it's because of the inbreeding. But it's so hush-hush because these men don't want people to know that, I mean, they are their own demise, right? Because of this God directing them to keep the bloodline pure, now they're infertile. So it's a big secret that there's like... I think there's at least like 30 plus women now that are doing IVF that I know of. But that's also interesting because like you were saying, they don't believe in hospitals or modern medicine, right? So how mm-hmm. how do they, I guess it's justified because babies are everything, but that seems so contradictory to do that invasive procedure. I've been an egg donor, so I know how difficult it is to do that type of thing. It's really hard on the body and it's painful and there are shots involved and it's very expensive. So... I mean, they're just okay with that? Or you said they do it in secret? I think it's very hush-hush because this this information is kind of hard to get too. So what will happen is the man will be infertile, um, but they'll blame the woman. And it's the woman's fault for not being able to get pregnant. Like her one job is to be able to create kids and she can't even do that. So they'll blame mm-hmm. the woman and then they'll... I, I feel like it is a secret that they get IVF. That Not a lot of people talk about IVF. They just... It's, I don't know, maybe it's changing over the years, but they do have um, their clinic where they have an order member who went to school to become a doctor. And I wonder if that's where they do all the IVF or if they actually go out to do IVF somewhere else. But yeah, yeah. I think that they make exceptions for things like that. But the, it, that's the sad thing, though, is it's like, okay, if we can do IVF to get this girl pregnant, then we're going to do it. But if this woman's like dying while giving birth, then we we don't think we need to take you to the hospital. Like oh, you just need really? to push a little harder. <gasps> oh, no. So, there's been times where, where there's been deaths. Yep. Because they, they just, they really treat the women like their property. One of the saddest episodes I did was, not saddest, but like the most eye-opening was I did an episode with my cousin Julie she was the seventh wife of Brother Paul, Brother Paul, the leader. Um, she married the leader's oldest son, and she was the seventh wife, I believe. And she had a baby that was 
dead inside of her mm. and she had to fight her husband to be able to go to the hospital and they like they just there's been times where women just die because you have to you have to follow the chain of command right you have to ask for permission and if they say no you're not supposed to go against them so it is it is contradictory right we're like, yeah. like what about all these people that are dying because you guys are being selfish and not giving them the medical care that they need but then as soon as they can't get pregnant okay ivf we got to bring bringing these babies down to earth wow. and then even like my own in my own family. So I'm, I'm like going on a tangent no, with this one because this makes me mad. Yeah. My own sister was having so many babies and then uh, she had a pregnancy in the fallopian tube. Mm-hmm. Ectopic. Yeah. So then they had to get rid of the fallo- one of the, because you have two fallopian yeah. tubes, had to get rid of one of them. And it was like an emergency. They actually did go to the doctor for that one. And the doctor said, I advise you do not have more kids because it could be detrimental to your health. Mm-hmm. They prayed about it and they just continued having kids. <laughs> like they just, they don't care as long as they're bringing babies to the earth. Right. That makes absolutely no sense that they would put so much stock in having kids, but then not give these mothers the help that they need to deliver safely. Yeah. I think it just feeds into the whole they're narcissistic men. They, when a woman's like, I'm in pain, they're like, okay, well, go drink some comfrey. Go, you know, have some herbal tea. <laughs> it's yeah. not their problem. Yeah. So there have been times where, like, sadly, women have died because the husband's like, well, just go lay down. Don't, oh don't go gosh. stop calling me. You're bothering me. That's awful. So, yeah, to answer your question, the, the IVF is more important because they want to be, I mean, there's a multitude of reasons as to why they want to be bringing so many souls to the earth, right? They want to be having all these free worker bees. They want to be um, able to build their kingdom of God, right? They mm-hmm. believe that their kingdom of God's going to cover the entire world one day, so. Mm, and how many members do they have now, approximately? I want to say, like, uh, it's so hard to say, but I want to say around 10,000. Because if you take Paul and his 300 kids, you take all the seven brothers, I think that's like at least a thousand kids within the seven brothers. So the Paul and his his brothers, because he's got 300. His brother, uh, Jesse's got like 250. Then David, the one that went to prison, 250. Yeah. And while David was in prison, this is how important procreating is. While David went to prison, so David is Paul's brother, went to prison for raping his own niece underage niece Mm. his wives were still getting pregnant while he was in prison for four years and uh there's rumors that he had his other brothers impregnating them so i heard this story that they were going to the jail site and and someone was getting the semen to turkey base basically what yeah but that's how important procreation is in the order (laughs) i feel like we need to explain a little bit as to like the doctrine of this, because I'm sure everyone is just like, why? Just huge, bold letters, why is all of this happening? So I can start a little bit <laughs> because I grew up mainstream Mormon, but with Joseph Smith, he brought about the law of polygamy and he said, God told me that I have to marry all these women or an angel with a flaming drawn sword will kill me and you if you don't marry me. Mm-hmm. And so it's coercive control, right? And if you marry me, your family will be guaranteed a spot in the celestial kingdom, which is the highest level of heaven and Mormon heaven and Mormon theology. And Mm -hmm. your offspring will be blessed and all the things. So this happens. And then they move to Utah. Joseph Smith dies. He's killed, whatever. Brigham Young takes over, establishes Utah. They're in this very isolated place. So this just keeps going and keeps going. And I really think that's the only reason Mormonism survived is because they were completely isolated. Yeah. And 
And then the government said, you have to stop practicing polygamy. It's illegal. And we will send the troops if you don't stop. So eventually, like, okay, we'll stop. Wink. And then they kind of kept going. But (laughs) mainstream Mormonism was like, actually, we kind of do have to stop because we're about to (laughs) we're about to get annihilated by the government. Like all the things they don't want. So they stop. And then so the fundamentalist groups are born and they continue practicing polygamy because that's what Joseph Smith said is the way you get to heaven is you have to practice polygamy. So if you ask mainstream Mormons today, do you practice polygamy? They'll very angrily, as I know, I was one of them say, no, we don't do that. Mm -hmm. That was outlawed a long time ago. But in heaven, it's expected that you will practice polygamy because that's the celestial law is you practice polygamy in heaven. Mm -hmm. So that's how these fundamentalist groups kind of started and broke off. And With yours specifically, I think it's so interesting about the leader and how he's basically worshipped, at least from my outside perspective, it seems like he's worshipped just as much as Joseph Smith, if not more. Mm -hmm. People are going up and having these fast and testimony meetings, which is when you uh, proclaim to the congregation that you know this church is true. And saying yep. are so grateful for, what's his name? Brother. Brother Paul. Pa- <laughs> Brother Paul Kingston. We're so grateful. I- I'm so happy that I'm here. All of that stuff. So from your perspective, how did you view Paul and Joseph Smith? Did you view them as equals? Did you view Paul as like the right guy? Or like how, I guess I'm trying to figure out between all the prophets, Joseph Smith and up till now, the mainstream Mormon prophet, and then your prophet, how did that all fit together? I'll do like a brief, since you just did the history of the LDS. Yeah. <laughs> so then we pick it up right 1935. Um, I'll have to, I don't know if I want to dive into numbered men, but basically the, the, the first leader of the order was uh, Charles Eldon Kingston, Eldon Charles Kingston. I always confuse the name, but basically he was number one, right? So he got the number one um, as a numbered man. And then my grandpa or tell Kingston, who is the son of number one, uh, I believe he was the son of number one. Anyway, so we have number one, then we have number eight, who is my grandpa or tell, and he becomes the leader. He dies of cancer. And then his son, Paul, who's number nine, becomes the next leader. They, they make it seem like it's a um, direction from God that each person gets the keys and it's like very preyed upon. Everyone's praying about it. When I was a kid, I really did believe in that system. I believe that Paul was very like, oh my gosh, like Joseph Smith, he he looked around for the true church and he found it. The LDS fell away from it. And brother Paul is the one leading us to the kingdom, <laughs> the celestial kingdom. Okay. And I remember even when I was young, um, this is such a weird story, but we were waiting in line at church. Okay, I have this thing right here. I don't know if you can see. It's like a little... It looks like a cyst in my neck. And we were waiting in line to wait for Brother Paul to look at my cyst in my neck and to tell my parents what it is and if I needed to worry about it, basically. And I was like five. Uh, and I remember thinking, oh, wow. So he he's like God. Like, he's going to tell me if I'm whoa. sick or not. And we had waited for hours for, for Brother Paul to say, yeah, he like looked at it and he's like, it'll go away when she's older. It's still here. <laughs> Spoiler it's alert. It's on. <laughs> so yeah, we looked at him as he was like, he could walk on water. He could do no wrong. And if someone's talking bad about Paul, they're an enemy. 
especially like when when people would leave and then talk bad like we they terrible and i'm sure that happened in your group too like when people leave it's one thing to leave the mormon church but then to leave and and blasphemize it how dare you right they can leave the church but they can't leave it alone Mm -hmm. (laughs) the the number one thing people say about me from the order like why don't you just move on with your life like why are you so obsessed with the order it's like (laughs) first of all if if you guys weren't still abusing the kids there and forcing and like all the abu- sexual abuse that's going on, I wouldn't have anything to talk about. Yeah. But the fact that I have family there and you guys are still victimizing them, I'm not going to shut up about it. Yeah. So until you guys do better. <laughs> right. No, I agree. So you worship Paul as the current prophet, the true living prophet. Everyone else is doing it wrong. Uh, the current prophet of the Mormon church. Who's that guy? What's he? I mean, they're just talking crazy over there. Mm-hmm. So what makes your group special and different and sets it apart from all of the other polygamous groups is that you believe your bloodline has to be pure, which is mm-hmm. I find really interesting. And I want to know. Where that notion came from, if it was Ortel or whoever was at the top that was like, by the way, we got the good genes and everyone else, no, we have to marry within our families. Yeah, I think that there, depending on who you ask from the order, there's a lot of different stories, but I do... Like, you cannot deny that more incest happened when Ortel became the leader. Because Ortel, his first wife was his niece... Um, but they could never have kids. And I think it's because they were so closely related. Yeah. So more incest relationships were happening as Ortel became the leader. And they, they, it's interesting. They would use this analogy of cattle and how you, if you breed the cattle to the strongest, then you get stronger kids and kind of like saying that, that the pure genes and the Christ genes are the best genes, like blue blood. We are, we need to save our genetics, basically. They didn't teach this, but this was just like an un- unspoken thing that you just knew. Mm-hmm. Because I was part Kingston, because my dad is half-brothers to the leader, so I'm pretty Kingston bloodline, right? As a woman, I need to marry up, so I need to marry even closer to that Kingston bloodline. So that's why a lot of Paul's kids are just marrying Paul's brother's kids. Mm. Or even like, I think some of them even married the brothers, like their own uncles, because they have the women have to marry up. You can't marry down. You can't marry someone who is less Kingston. But they don't speak that. I remember as a kid figuring it out. And I asked my dad, I was like, why is it that you never see a Kingston girl married to a non-Kingston man? And he was like, yes, you do. And I'm like, name one. And then we did meditation where you have to like close your, close your eyes and bow your head for five minutes and then do the memory gems. And then he, that whole five minutes, he could only come up with, I think it was two people that had done that. And both of them, the girl had to fight really hard. She basically had to threaten to leave the order or let me marry this guy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very like, it's so dumb because it's like, oh, we believe in direction and direction from God. And, and, um, if you're close to the Holy Ghost, then you'll be able to find out who you're supposed to marry. But like when I came to my dad and I was like, I had a dream I was supposed to marry this guy who was less related to me. Then he'd be like, well, I don't know who you're supposed to marry, but it's definitely not him. <laughs> like, right. I don't know. I think that they may have taught it more in the older ages, but, and people maybe got upset because they're like, wait, what about direction? But that's the thing is like, it definitely more incest happened when Ortel was in leadership. But then I think then, then we started seeing deformities and things. So that's when the blood testing started having to happen because otherwise we're, we're going to be extinct, right? We're not going to be able to have as many kids as they're wanting you to have. And you're getting shamed if you don't have a kid like every year. Wow. These women are just expected to pop out as many kids as possible. That's like the ultimate goal. And yeah. 
and work. I heard How? stories of women popping out a baby, going right back to work. I don't know. I don't know. these. And this crazy thing is, it's like these women are so powerful. They have so much these men are nothing without them. Yeah. But they they push the women down so much so the women believe that they'll never get anything better and they just bow down to the husband. If the women knew how much power they really have, yeah. like the the leadership would just fall. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's talk about that as far as how these women are viewed as property, yet they have so much power and have absolutely no idea. So what are some examples I mean, we've talked about clearly just popping out babies, but mm -hmm. do you have any specific stories or anecdotes as far as how these women are treated as property? The men see the women as possessions, especially because of the whole, uh, you are under your father until you are under your husband. Oh. So the whole chain of command is, yeah, you're, you're, as the, as the child, you tie into your parents. Uh, as the wife, you tie into your husband. The husband is the head of the house, and the husband ties into the leader, and the leader ties into God, right? Okay. So it's all the chain of command of these men. So I have, I had a, I don't know if I've ever told the story publicly, actually. <gasps> tell, do tell. I think I may have told you this one on the phone, but I don't think I've told it publicly. My dad for Valentine's Day took me, my sister Cammie, my sister Rachel, and then my half sister from the first wife family out on like this Valentine's dinner, and he gave us a locket with a picture of him in it. And he was like basically saying, I know, I remember even as a teenager, I was like, this is weird. <laughs> really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, he was basically saying that I am the only man in your life until I give you to your husband. So it was like, I am saving myself for my husband. We, and I was like, I'm not going to wear this locket with my dad. That's so weird. And they would get like for Christmas, I got a gift that and I unwrapped and it was a picture of my dad. I'm like, what am I supposed what? to do with it? Like just a picture of him <laughs> okay oh am i supposed to pray to this but and that was something like you you ask your dad for permission and then when you're married you ask your husband for permission and i remember asking my dad can i get my ears pierced and he's like when you get married you can ask your husband if that's okay and i was like can i go to college when you get married you can ask your husband oh if that's gosh. okay so never are you able to make a single decision for yourself which that's another thing that's really hard when you leave the order as a woman making decisions is like you feel like so overwhelmed because yeah. your whole life you weren't allowed to even do that. So yeah, that is a big example of like we are we are property of our dad and then given to be the property of the husband. Yeah. It's like going from one cage to maybe a little bigger cage with your husband. I, I think a lot of women are very excited to get married because their at-home life sucks so bad. Like maybe they're helping raise 10 kids and they just are very stressed out. Like I, I was 15 years old when I was driving my siblings to and from school without a license. Oh, wow. It was basically like I was a mom. So I could totally see why a lot of these women are like 15 and they're like, I can't wait to get married to this guy who's way older than me, who's a narcissist. Oh. But it's because one, I don't know anything different. And two, I'm so excited to get out of my parents' house. I even had a friend who she told me, I think she was 16 and she was like, I don't like this guy. I'm not attracted to him, but I know that the Heavenly Father wants me to marry him. No. And I was like, well, so you don't even want to be with him. But she hated her home life too. It was very stressful at her house. So I could see her just being like, I'll just marry this guy. It's what God wants. And then she, she even said, she's like, I can't wait for him to get another wife. So he gets off of me basically, like gets out of my, my house. <laughs> So that's the life. Yeah. There is so much to unpack, Amanda. I had that thought too, though. Uh, like literally, sorry, this is my, no, my last train of thought on that. Go ahead. I remember thinking, 
hopefully if I marry, if I have to marry someone I don't like, then I'm a plural wife and he just comes around like once a month and then I don't have to see him. And that's polygamy, baby. (laughs) Wow. That's such a dark thought, really. Mm -hmm. And I want to get into how you felt once you left. But first, I want to get a grasp on how deep the control goes. So when you said that you have to get permission for your decisions. Do you have to get permission to leave the house, for example, or do you have to get permission to go buy clothes? Because we talked about in the previous episode, you have no control over your own money. It's all going into this mystery bank. Mm -hmm. So how far does the control go? That also ties back into like, what family are you in? Are you in Paul's favorite families? You, you, You do get more if you're in the higher up, right? And that's true even in the FLDS group. If you're closer to Warren Jeffs, you get more opportunities. Okay. The average person in the order would have to call what's called card line and get an add-on to see if they could even get money out of their account. Sometimes they just say, nope, we don't have the money. So as far as money, you have to get the okay and the approval to actually go get it out. And I worked at the the bank and I was only allowed to give out $500 a day in the front desk, but they had to have a signed authorized uh, slip with a authorization number that said that they were okay to get that money out of their own account. What? Who had to sign it? So they had to get this authorization number that was given to them from Cardline, the, the number that they would call. It was like two people in the order that were running Cardline and making sure that they were getting the authorization so that it can come out of the account. And then you put the account number on and, and make sure that's coming out of that specific account and then um as far as like leaving your house like for me as a as a woman (laughs) as a young girl i couldn't just walk out of the door without them being like where are you going you know what i mean oh wow but it's also because i was i was a kid right like i had to get the approval if i was gonna go you know i i wasn't really allowed to go hang out with outsiders my mom would allow it sometimes because she was an outsider at one point but Mm -hmm. she would only allow it to happen when my dad wasn't around (laughs) because he would not allow that to happen yeah. But I definitely think that, no, I, no, I think I know women are controlled a lot more than the men. The women, their education is more controlled. Their, uh, their body is more controlled. Like they're, they're, you don't get to own yourself. Like also like marital rape wasn't a term. Like that wasn't mm. like you are your husband's when you're married. There's no like, you know, choice in that. So men are controlled too. Obviously, because they, they want to use the men like worker bees and you need to work for the kingdom of God and your money needs to go into the, to the kingdom of God. But men were more allowed to go to school and more free, not like free, like an outsider, but more trusted than women, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So then when it comes to the polygamy side of things, I want to get your opinion. We talked a little bit about it in the previous episode about how you felt about polygamy. But I just really want to drill in for everybody that it's almost impossible to have a consensual polygamous relationship because there's so much coercion. Mm -hmm. So I want to get your perspective on this coming from the inside and seeing these women that are being married off. And like you said, some of them are excited to be married off because that means leaving home. So kind of paint us a picture as to why they're so coerced into polygamy and why it's not consensual. Okay. I gave the example of someone who's excited to be in this polygamous marriage, right? Mm -hmm. 
They're thinking they're excited to get out of their parents' home. They're excited to finally be able to kiss, right? They've never been able to do this before. Right. And th- these women aren't like 30 year old women who have had experience and like, okay, I, I have, I've, I've had education. I've seen the world and I think a polygamous relationship is good for me. Mm-hmm. No, these are women who have been bred to live that way. I was told my whole life, this is what you are going to do. And the best thing that you can do for God is to not be jealous and to, to, to serve your husband because serving your husband is like serving God. A lot of times I felt like these women that were like so excited, it was a show because if you act miserable, then that's a sin. If you're jealous, that's a sin. Oh so I thought, I thought a lot of the time, I'm like, these girls are just pretending. They're just pretending. Yeah. But, um, I think some of them were genuinely excited because of all the lies that they were fed from their polygamous moms. Like, it's the best thing that I remember in church, this polygamous mom who married her half brother. She was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. She was like, a polygamous relationship is the happiest relationship you could ever be in in your entire life. People that are living monogamy on the outside are so miserable. And I remember thinking, how I roll, you're, you're sleeping with your brother. Let's just say it like it is. Yes. How could that be better? But I think a lot of women that were excited, had this facade in their brain that their that their dysfunctional parents put there and then they get married and they're like this is nothing like what i thought the wedding night is he's probably selfish in bed mm-hmm. and i've heard stories that a lot of these men are selfish in bed they're not being trained to please a woman sure. to treat a woman good so i think the reality sets in once they're married they're like oh my gosh what have i done but now they're married and some of them are pregnant by the wedding night and now they're trapped And now they can actually think about it. But now what? So there's that version, right? Yeah. And then there's the version of the ones that don't want to. I I have my my own family member told me the story where she was basically praying to God that she didn't have to marry this guy. She locked herself in the bathroom on her wedding day, didn't want to marry him. She was going to be a second wife. I think it was the leader or it was like the leader's brothers. They were like, okay, you don't have to do this, but everybody is out there waiting and you're gonna have to tell them all that you are choosing not to do this thing that that we all know the heavenly father wants Uh. and she was i think she was only 15 so when she went up to to marry the guy and the ceremony she crossed her fingers and put it behind her back (gasps) oh my gosh like it's not good it's not real (laughs) (laughs) i mean maybe maybe there is i don't know i i don't believe that there are any of them that are truly happy because of that whole thing like you are bred to be a servant to your husband. And if you believe that you're happy doing that, I, 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 some people got mad at me for saying this. I'm like, I think these women have Stockholm syndrome for their husbands. People got mad because they're like, that's not an accurate term for that. Blah, blah, blah. But I honestly, when I see how my mom, I kind of think it is. Yeah. How my mom worships my dad and my dad is such an, uh, a like narcissistic, emotional abuser, like manipulative. If you believe you're happy, then yeah, I guess you can be happy, but it's a toxic happy. It's not a healthy happy. Right. So, Well, like you were saying in our previous episode, it's just they don't know any different and they've never had a normal relationship to compare it to. Mm-hmm. And that's probably one of the main things that I notice across all of these interviews that I do with people is when I'm asking someone like in my previous episode that I did with Rachel, they had no power, no electricity, and they were part of the doomsday Mormonism sector. And I'm just like, how were you okay? Like, how how did you feel about this when Child Protective Services tried to come and take you away? And she's like, well, I didn't know any different. Mm -hmm. And I, of course, I didn't want to leave my family. Just people don't know what they don't know. And so that's another thing is you can't really blame them for not wanting to leave because 
it's normal to them and why would they want anything different? Right. And it's it's like the term anxiety. That wasn't a term in the order. Does that mean that we didn't have anxiety? No. It yeah. just means we just – that wasn't a term as well as abuse. I didn't even – the word abuse I knew of, but when I left the order, I realized that I was abused. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think that I was a victim of abuse while I was in the – you know what I mean? It's yeah. like – when you're in the toxic relationship, you don't think it's toxic. And then you take a step out and you're like, wow, that was really toxic. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like that whole quote, you cannot heal in the same environment where you got sick. It's true. Mm. Like all these people are so sick and they're being fed all of these lies. And and these women who are being coerced to marry and like be happy to be married, in the back of all of their minds, they know that they are going to reap the benefits and the blessings in the celestial kingdom for all yes. of the hell that they've endured here. Yes. And that's what keeps them fighting. Do you think if they were atheist that they would be doing that? I don't think so. Right. And I've had multiple conversations with my mom where she was like, well, what are you going to do when you die and you see that we're in heaven and I'm in this and, you know, we're me and your father are in the celestial kingdom? I'm like, I just have to laugh because I'm like, that is that is the only thing that makes sense in her brain that she's enduring all of this. She's like, after I endure all of this, I'm going to reap the benefits in heaven. And I've I've gone back and forth with her like, OK, so a drug addict could say the same thing. Well, I'm enduring so much hell with this addiction that God is going to give me blessings. And my mom will roll her eyes and be like, that's not the same thing. I'm like, how is it not? Yeah. (laughs) They're both unhealthy things. It's the righteous suffering. It's I'm doing this for a purpose. Because if they didn't have a purpose, purpose, they would have to admit that everything they've been doing is wrong and damaging and abusive. And it's too hard to admit that what you've been buying into and what you've been giving your entire life to is for nothing that Mm -hmm. brings up a question and i'm wondering if you know of anybody in your group in the order who has actively deconstructed mormonism as a whole while they were in the group and realized that it's all a sham Mm -hmm. i i my cousin when he left he told me that he was atheist in the order but he just didn't know how to what kept him there was his family yeah i was like wow so I think there may be a few that don't believe in it, but they don't want to lose their family because mm-hmm. that I think that's the number one reason why people stay that don't want to stay is they know they're going to have to say goodbye to your family. And it's the worst. It's like it's not like when you when a family member dies and you can have that closure and go to their funeral. It's you're dead to them. And now they hate you for the rest mm-hmm. of your life because you left. So now you're never going to have that good relationship with them again. And it's a it's like a death of a living family member. Yeah. Which is so hard. I'm sure maybe you have experienced that with, I know that some Mormon culture is still kind of like that, mm-hmm. where it's like ostracize the family member, which it's like, it's, you can't even describe that kind of like, you, you never get the closure, right? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'll ever get the closure from it. Cause at one point I had somewhat of a good relationship with all of these people. And now I'm just, this terrible Satan. (laughs) Yeah, you're led by Satan. They literally believe that you're being led by Satan just because you're speaking out and shedding light on all these horrible things that they believe are sacred. And that's, that's where the the juxtaposition comes in and where it's it's hard for people to understand it because they're in this bubble of information control. They're only fed the information that the leaders want them to have access to. And even like you were mentioning the personal revelation thing, pray about it and ask God. But if you get the wrong answer, 
then you did it wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're still confined in this space over here. And then you have someone on the outside and you are taught to believe that anyone who looks at other information, any information that is that makes the church look bad, anything like that, they are being led by Satan. And the only purpose of all of that, quote, bad information is to bring down the one and true church, the only church upon the earth that is God's true church. And they are taught that you have to demonize those people, not Mm -hmm. just cut them out, not just not talk to them, not just smile and wave, but literally cut them out because it will jeopardize your own salvation. And that's what's so manipulative about it, because Mm -hmm. it's not just, oh, they might tempt you to drink coffee. It's they may affect your position in heaven when you die. And again, if you are if you're going through all of these sacrifices and these horrible things and you're only doing that because you get a better place in heaven when you die, of course you're not going to talk to your family mm-hmm. member because you've been through way worse. You've done yep. way worse things in the name of your salvation. And that's what some people don't really get and they can't get a grasp on is, I don't understand why you cut off your family. That's your own kid. Why would you do that? But you really can't understand it until you understand the logic and the mindset behind someone who's indoctrinated to believe that every single action that they have on this earth is to build up a kingdom in in heaven. Right. And I've heard even members refer to ex-members as like, like my dad would use this analogy of like, oh, why would I have my kids go be associated with you guys who would same thing, like tempt them to stray? Like, would I, would I have my kid go leave them by a cliffside and have them have the ability to fall off the cliff? No, I want my kids to be close to me and I'm going to fall. I'm going to be there for them their whole entire adult life even. So they're like, he's like an excuse to hover over them and control them. I really think like, yes, a hundred percent, the whole, everything that you explained was like, you explained it really good. I think there's another side of it though. I, I know I keep bringing up narcissism, but I really do think they don't want to believe that they're wrong. 100%. They have to believe that everyone else is wrong. And I've shared this quote with Calvin, actually. He really likes Mark Twain quotes. We both were like <laughs> talking about it. But my favorite quote is, it is easier to fool someone than to convince them that they have been fooled. And 100% I agree with that because people don't want to believe that they believed a lie yeah and for my mom like she's been in it for what is she gonna be like 50 soon and then to what have to believe that her whole entire life was a lie and she was raising her kids to also believe this lie yeah it's easier to just continue believing the lie than to have to realize what you've done yeah you know what i mean it's kind of it's depressing and i went through that deconstruction when i first left and i'm sure you did too like Mm -hmm. realizing you go through, I don't know if you went through this phase of like, I'm stupid. <laughs> like, that's how I felt. Oh, for sure. I still think that sometimes. I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> but it's like everyone around you was feeding you that. So how yeah. are you supposed to know? But yeah, definitely like you have to go through this. It's a very humbling experience to be like, I don't know everything. <laughs> Absolutely. There's that side of it where, where you explain that it's all indoctrinated, blah, 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 but it's also the narcissism, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's the God complex. It's we know better yeah. and you don't have all of the answers. And that also leads into, uh, I think, with your group specifically, why they wanted to keep the bloodline pure and why they started these incestuous relationships. When you were talking about your family bush in one of your videos and you explained she her husband i don't remember who it was but someone high up her husband died so she married her husband's son and i was like 
Mm-hmm. It's just, it's yep. too much, Amanda. It's too much. Yeah. And that was happening all around us. So it was so normal. Thank God that I never was like down for marrying my half sibling. Yeah. I mean, you would, you really gotta, that's, that's something I want to get your perspective on this because I will admit, I believe some wackadoodle stuff as a Mormon because that's just my reality, right? But I, I try to, how do I even say this? I feel like if someone came to me and said, you have to marry your half-brother, who I grew up with is like a regular brother, both of my brothers. They said, you have to marry him. I feel like I would push back. I feel like something innate in me, in my biology, would Mm -hmm. be like, that's a pass. But I want to get your perspective because I don't know because I haven't been in that situation from birth to know if I would have that reaction. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that uh, it's probably easier for them because it's not their full sibling and they didn't grow up with them. Oh. So to them, they it could be someone that they never really knew. Mm. They're like, oh, okay. Probably like in, the, I honestly think there's so many similarities from the, with the order, you know, how royal bloodlines did that back in the day. They would marry cousins and yeah. I don't know if they did siblings actually. Definitely cousins. Yeah. So then there, there gets to this point where maybe you, you have so many half siblings that one of them you maybe never really knew. So you never really had a connection with. Mm-hmm. I think it's easier, but I've definitely met some people that w- their dad had talks with them about like, you know, that you may have to possibly marry your brother, half brother. And they were like, Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Cause they were pretty close with all of them. Yeah. So I think there is a difference with if you grew up with them as your brother versus you didn't really grow up with them as the, I don't know. But yeah, for me, I was like, no. (laughs) Was it ever a case where because you have multiple mothers and multiple half siblings, was there ever a case where they tried to marry you within the same family then? I get. No, because it it did happen in in, with a lot of my cousins. I don't think that they could have ever done that with my family because if I married the third wife's kids, they were too young anyways, but if let's say that they wanted me to marry their kids, their mom is also like, that's too much incest because we have the same dad and then their mom is our dad's half sister. So mm. like that, I and, and I feel like the blood testing would be like, no, that's a no. And then the first wife is also my mom's sister. Does that make sense? That is bonkers. Yeah. So, so they do draw the line somewhere. <laughs> Gosh, do <laughs> And they? I guess it's there. I think I told you this on the phone, right? Where this dad literally asked Brother Paul, do you think I could marry my own daughter? Like, oh. there were some delusional people in there that had like, okay. And, I, and they did draw the line. And there have been no fathers marrying daughters. But you did, you hear that the mom, when the husband died, she married his son. So that did happen. Yeah. But then you have... You have women marrying their uncles. Like, that's still Mm -hmm. a huge, like, what? Because I want to get into age differences. What were the most common age differences? Because I would assume that's a pretty big one. And what, like, what is the normal and what is the most extreme that you've heard of or been witness to? So, for example, when David went to prison for raping his niece, I bet we could find out exactly how old he was. I want to say he was at least in his 30s and she was... 15 mm-hmm. so that that's a 15 year age gap right mm-hmm. and then we have i mean it's pretty common where there's one woman who became the fifth wife she was like 18 and the guy's like at least in his 40s 
and um she was younger than his own kids mm. and it's sad because the how that happened was he was married to her older sisters and then he was eyeing her and then had direction and the sisters helped coerce their young oh. sister that happens a lot where the women become these not only enablers but groomers unfortunately abusers too like to to manipulate the girls to join their marriage yeah so yeah i would say it's not uncommon that they could be that far apart like 20 year age gap but there's times too where teenagers marry each other like a 15 year old girl will marry a 16 year old boy it's it's not all the time where it's a huge age gap yeah but it's not frowned upon there's stories where this is this is so gross but they would talk about and and here's here's i believed that this was could probably be God really giving direction. This is my brainwashed brain when I was in the order. They would tell this story. There was multiple stories like this where the man would say, and I held the baby in my arms and I knew I was going to be marrying her. No, 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 And no, then no. they would get, they, yep. And then the family of that, they would end up getting married when the woman is older. The family would have the picture framed of no. the dad that was holding the baby. No. Yep. And it was God, God imp put an impression on him that he knew he was going to be marrying that child. So it, it really, I didn't know this at the time, but the wording now is pedophilia? they're ingraining <laughs> pedophilia. Yeah. But at the time I'm like, well, God, God's will, I guess, like he knew he was going to marry her when she got older. But then when I got older, I was like, that is weird. That's <laughs> Why so are we gross. talking about this? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But it was glorified. Oh my gosh. That's no, that's so gross. And I, I want to ask you at the end of this whole interview, like, what was the most shocking <laughs> to you? Because I don't even know. <laughs> that's a great question. Well, remind me later. I bet people are just screaming in the comments right now. Like, how is this okay? How is this legal? And before we go into that, I have to say, I just learned the other day from Bryce over in Naked Mormonism. I'm learning all of the history of the church right now, which is so much fun. Like more, all of these little snippets that I just didn't know. Mm -hmm. So they were talking about how, speaking of grooming, the Relief Society was formed. So it was these group, this group of women that would help groom the girls for Joseph and the higher ups. Yeah. And he he said that it was called the Relief Society in the way that you would imagine no in a sexual way the why did they society. keep that name because they still call it <laughs> yeah. that i know that's what it was my favorite thing from that episode that i learned on myth vision i was like oh my gosh is that true i have to look into it more but when i first heard it i was like that's so true and gross and disgusting so yeah. for those who don't know in the early days of the church this group of women came together and emma kind of led the charge she was joseph smith's first wife and it's how they would i don't know figure out bake sales or whatever it is that they did back then as far as leading the women giving them purpose here's a job for you you're important see we like women and so learning that that group was initially uh, created to help groom these young girls into marrying the leaders and being plural wives is super gross. But they still call it the Relief Society today. So, fun fact. That is crazy. Yeah. Did you um, ever hear, hear about like where the blood atonement came from? Oh, right. With uh, Brigham Young in when they settled Utah, right? The slitting of the throat to, to okay, save yeah. them? Okay, yeah. I've just been getting into that again because i only had heard about it from uh 
like polygamy history. And then I had met someone who was like, oh, like, I think she's in her fifties now, but went through the temple and was talking about how they did this little, the slitting of the throat. Is it a Masonic thing? So I think those may be separate things, but I could be wrong. So I know that when Brigham Young settled Utah and he was trying to get everyone to do the things he wanted them to do, like practice polygamy and give them their tithing money, they would literally send mobs around to like collect the money like mafia. And one of the rules he enacted was about blood atonement, saying that if this person doesn't want to tithe or doesn't want to accept polygamy or doesn't want to do whatever the thing he said, you can slit their throat, spill their blood onto the ground, and then they would be saved and automatically go to heaven. So you just had this murdering rampage. And that's what Under the Banner of Heaven focuses on, which is a real true crime story that happened in Utah in like the 70s or 80s, where these guys got back to the ways of the original prophets and went around killing their family members. It's horrific. So that was a Brigham Young teaching. And I believe that the the Masonic ritual, I'm not 100% sure if it's Masonic, but I feel like it is, that Joseph Smith got because he became a Freemason back in the day. And that's mm-hmm. where most of the weird temple rituals come from. But you're speaking of the one where they vowed pre-1990 in the temple to slit their throat and cut out their bowels and they would make these hand gestures. And according to one of my commenters, there's even like a cup that you like, let me put my hand on camera, a cup that would catch your bowels when they fell out. And apparently they still do the cup today. She said that's where that came from. I'm not 100% sure. But that was enacted saying that if you ever revealed the secrets of the temple, you would have to slit your throat and cut out your own bowels. So yeah, very uh, culty. And so mm-hmm. I don't know if that specifically is called blood atonement as well, or if they're connected. But how did you hear about that you said it was connected to polygamy in some way when i talked with this person that i actually became friends with them because they were actually leaving the LES church and they were telling me all these weird things that were going on in there the blood atonement was really big in the lebaron group i don't know if you know a lot about the lebaron polygamous group i don't they're definitely a lot smaller now but we had a few members escape the lebaron group and join the order and that's how i learned about the lebaron group was that they when they had to escape they were escaped they were running for their lives because they believed so heavily in the blood atonement (gasps) there were stories of them strapping bombs to their cars and trying to kill full families that were trying to leave oh my yeah i did a whole video on this because there's a whole if you're interested in hearing more about it there's I actually interviewed a girl from the AUB, which is the same group that Cody Brown's from. Yeah. Uh, their leader was killed by the leadership in the LeBaron group. He had his, I think his 17-year-old wives, he had two women go into the office that the LeBaron or that the AUB group leader was working and they shot him. <gasps> There's a whole news story on it, but it was, it was, it was affiliated with the whole blood atonement right they're preaching false prophecies so we need to kill them to save them kind of a thing Mm. but they obviously went way i mean the whole thing is crazy but the lebarons just went crazy crazy like herbal lebaron used that excuse to kill his own brother too like it's insane but so i always thought that that blood atonement thing was that same ritual that just like evolved over time because cause didn't Joseph Smith or was Brigham Young the one that came up with the blood atonement? I think so. It was Brigham Young? It was. Mm, I want to say it's Brigham Young. It could have been Joseph Smith and Brigham Young just enforced it once he moved to Utah and they were isolated. Mm-hmm. But I'm not 100% sure. But yeah, definitely the way that they uh, brought it 
to the surface and the way that they preached it was, I'm trying to save you. I'm helping you. <laughs> mm. But we didn't do that in the order. But you were aware of it. Yeah. I was aware of it because of the LeBaron people okay. that escaped the LeBaron group and came there. Okay. The only thing I could say is similar to that in the order is, I mean, I'm sure you did this in, in your group, you tattletale on them to save them from themselves mm. if someone's sinning. Yeah, it wasn't as prevalent as you might think in mainstream Mormonism. They would just kind of guilt you to do it yourself. You tattletale on yourself. <laughs> yeah, the, and that's, honestly, I feel like it can be worse. It's not great when you get tattled on, obviously, but a lot of it is they just guilt you and guilt you and guilt you until you feel so ashamed and so dirty that you just have to confess. Although an example of the tattletaling would be <laughs> like my my exodus story when we slipped up me and my boyfriend of a year and he went into the bishop which means i have to go in next because can't tango by yourself yep so those would be the cases where you would be brought in against your will and so then would you that you so you would have to confess even if you're a teenage girl to an adult man mm -hmm. your whatever sexual stuff that you're doing which i'm sure is so uncomfortable mm -hmm. and then they shame you and and what's the process of the repentance? It's usually the public shaming part of not taking the sacrament, which they would never say that we're going to public shame you now. It's just you messed up and you can't take the sacrament that saves you every week that they call like the rebaptism. So when you take the bread and drink the water, you're basically rebaptizing yourself every Sunday. And that's why it's so important to go and take the sacrament. And so when you mess up, for some reason, it doesn't really make sense by that logic that you wouldn't be able to take it because if you're dirty, you would think taking the sacrament would make you clean again. Mm -hmm. But that's just like a way of them making you feel super uncomfy. And when the tray comes, you have to pass it over yourself and everyone knows that you didn't take it. They're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And then in some cases, if the sin was, quote, bad enough, you weren't allowed to give prayers which could also be super embarrassing because at any given time, if you go to a, an activity or just in church, because they pray beginning and end of every single thing, every single part of church, mm -hmm. and someone says, oh, Shalise, can you give the prayer? You would have to say, no, I can't. And everyone would be like, oh, that means she's super sinned. So it's just all these little ways they get you or you won't be able to bless your own baby. So when your baby's born and it's a tradition and a custom to go up in front of the whole congregation and stand in a circle with a bunch of other worthy dudes and bless the baby, you weren't allowed to bless your baby if you were currently repenting. Wow. So yeah, it is just a way to shame you and make you feel guilt. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it works. I'm sure yeah. it really makes people feel really bad about themselves. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that was... <laughs> That was why I eventually left is because I felt so bad about myself that I was like, this sucks. What if this isn't true? And thank goodness that mm -hmm. happened. Yep. I always think about that. Like, I can't believe all these terrible things happened to me. Da, da, da. But then I'm like, if they didn't, I probably would still be there. <laughs> if they yeah. were nice to me, I'd probably stay there. But there was a lot of times, I don't know, you probably went through this at that time. I was like, if this is, because they would tell us, this is the closest thing to heaven on earth. I'm like, then what's hell like? Because this feels like hell. Exactly. Because yeah, everyone's so like, they'll tattletale on you if you're doing something bad. They shame you if you're, you know, a jealous wife. That You get ridiculed if you're not having a baby every year. You get judged. Mm. And it feels so toxic. So then, then it's like, well, I'll just try my chances out 
in the real world because I don't like it here. Right. <laughs> it can't be worse than this. You have to be pushed to your breaking point in order to mm-hmm. uproot your entire life. Otherwise, why would you? If it's a little uncomfy, you're just going to deal with it because why rock the boat? If you're going to be disowned from your family, you have no money, no resources, no help on the outside, of course you're going to stay in. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about the whole being forced to give birth to a bunch of babies thing because I think that's also a really important part of why it's so hard to leave polygamy once you're in it because I'm assuming you can't use birth control, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Definitely. It's frowned upon for sure. Like you are, you are stopping babies from being born. And the whole point is like, as soon as you get married, you need to bring those spirits to the earth, right? Mm -hmm. You get married and you're probably young. I mean, if they're marrying girls as, as young as 15, you probably have your period and you get pregnant immediately mm-hmm. and it just keeps going and going and going in this cycle of being perpetually pregnant. I just can't even imagine what these women are going through. Like you said, being single mothers and the dad is just around whenever he feels like it. They can't. Uh, I think in one of your videos you said because they're not married on paper, they can claim all of these dependents and get food stamps. And is that mm-hmm. a big part of how they get food? Yeah. I mean, a lot of these women are working for like next to nothing, right? So, and they're paying their husband rents and the kids are wait, paying rent. No, wait, mm-hmm. wait, 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 wait. Yep. The kids are paying rent? Yep, which is illegal, right? Like you have to you have to provide room and board for your child. You can't force them to be paying rent. So there were kids that were five there were five kids in a room sometimes and each one was paying like 300 bucks a month to their parents. What? And they're then they're minors. Yep. So, so not only are these women expected to do all this, and, and that's why they're like, they have to get food stamps or they're not going to survive because these men aren't providing. There's yeah. a recording of Daniel Kingston, Paul's brother. It, I think it was on Escape and Polygamy, where when he was getting his kids taken away, the, the judge was like, well, how do you provide for your kids? And he's like, I provide. I give them a box of potatoes every month. Stop. And th- it's like so embarrassing that they think that that is providing for their kids. But the, here's these women that are just boss ass bitches, yeah. right? Like they're, popping out these kids natural births sometimes like the husband doesn't even make it home in time and the mom already had the baby (gasps) like they're pushing out these babies they're going back to work they're paying rent and they're doing this all like and i remember my mom being like if i leave who's gonna support me how how am i gonna support myself i'm like bitch you already are (laughs) like you'll you'll have more support out here such a good point there's so much expectation on the women, but yeah, having, having a child every year is one of the biggest things. Like they don't say, Hey, you need to have a baby every single year, but, but like that whole shame thing, you will be shamed. Like you'll be asked, like, how come you waited two years to have a kid? Were you having complications? Oh my gosh. They, there will be meetings and things like you. Yeah. And I, I have heard of sometimes where they do birth control, but then they get ridiculed for it and they get scolded for it. But some of the resilient ones will do it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, actually, I may have just answered my own question in my head. But my thought process was, do you know of anyone who had any complications, had to go to the hospital and secretly ask the doctor to tie their tubes? Or were they never taken to the hospital ever? I don't know if any of them have secretly tied their tubes. Because I feel like it would have been a secret. We wouldn't have known. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Good point. (laughs) Really good point. There was a story, actually, I talked about on Cult a Cup of Coffee, where the woman wanted to have kids really bad, but she was warned by doctors that it it could take her life. And she did it anyways. And then it did, in turn, take her life. But there... 
she was in a family where some of them were supportive of her not having kids. And there were people even offering like, we'll take your eggs and we'll figure out how you can have kids. But ultimately, I really do think there was pressure for her to have her own kids. And and then obviously, like the motherly instinct of people, people do want to have kids as mothers. Yeah. Naturally, some of us, right? And you do get shamed if you can't have kids. You do get shamed. You They treat it like you did something wrong. Mm. And you need to go pray about it or something. That is like the number one thing. How do they feel about miscarriage? Is that talked about at all? Are they shamed for those? Yeah. De- well, I mean, again, I think it does depend on the family that you're in. But uh, it's definitely the woman's fault. Like, what are you eating? Are you not having a healthy diet? Like, what? let's let's figure out why you can't carry a baby, why you can't do your your womanly duty, right? So they're shamed for that. And then also, oh, oh, I did, did just want to briefly mention this. How many kids do you think is the, the record of uh, the most kids in the order to one woman? To one woman. Well, if you're starting at 15, maybe, maybe if you're lucky, you have 30 years of chat, not even. I don't know. I, my instinct, like normal, the most I've ever heard of is maybe 15, but I just know that that's super low. So just give it to me. I I believe it's 21. Whoa. 21 kids to one woman. Yeah. How? And, and I think it's because you start at 15, right? And then you just boom, 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 boom. And some of these women are still having kids in their 40s. Whoa. Because they're just trying to bring those souls to the earth. Yeah. So, but I've also heard, I just did a live with my, my FLDS friend on Sunday and she said the same thing like I think it was 2021 to one woman which I think that is so unhealthy because you hear the statistics of like childbearing and if you don't heal fast enough right and in between yeah that's not healthy for your body that can take years off of your life right but they don't have that knowledge there and I think even if they were given that knowledge they wouldn't believe it so they're just going to keep having kids regardless there are Irish twin you know what an Irish twin is no it's where you have two kids so close together that they they are the same age for like a, a month or two. Oh my there were gosh. Irish twins in the order. That's how fast they were getting pregnant. Oh, these poor women. And just thinking that that's their only option. It reminds me of mm-hmm. Saturday's Warrior. Did you ever watch that movie growing up? The the Mormon? Yeah. Li- yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so we grew up on that. We watched it all the time and it's super cringy. I wonder if I can insert a clip so everyone can see it. But basically, you should. It's, <laughs> it's about this family who they already have like 12 kids or something. And the mom is like, we're going to get pregnant again. And the oldest is like, oh, my gosh, mom. And he's getting bullied at school because everyone's like, oh, you have all the brothers and sisters. And he's like, I don't want any more. And the whole movie is centered around this little girl in heaven who just wants to come down. And she's like, Jimmy, please let me come down. (laughs) I want to be your baby Mm -hmm. sister. And then eventually his heart is softened. And the mom has the 13th kid or however many. And then everyone's happy. And it's the premise is basically telling these people who are in the Mormon faith that there are these spirit babies in heaven who are just dying to occupy a body and it's your job to bring them down to earth into the one true covenant until everyone's eventually Mormon because you just you had all the babies in heaven. You just Mm -hmm. decided we're going to be the ones to bring down all the spirits from heaven so that they're in the right religion. Come on, Jim, let's go. Don't forget your promise. Jimmy, please! Hey, man, there's 
no Flinders. Come on, we got to go, Flinders. You'll never find it here, Flinders. Believe me, I'm your friend. Just a few more seconds, honey. Now remember, child, this family that you're going to is one of the very best, but it's still a risky proposition. It's a stormy place down there, and it's a stormy Saturday night. Be courageous and remember who you are. Yep. That's, that's exactly, basically the, the whole purpose of the women in the order is just bring, like, even when I was asked, like, how many kids do you want to have? The answer, the correct answer is as many as I can have. <laughs> like, you just need to be the, that, wow. facilitate that. And that's also why you need to get married young so that you can get on that quicker. But it's also, you know, what's insane though is, there have been times where a woman is lonely and she's a beautiful woman who is like a seventh wife of however many. And this is a specific story. Actually, she got pregnant by a Hispanic man. <gasps> and when they found out, they made her, th this is what I heard. They made her put the baby up for adoption. No. Mm hmm. So you have as many souls as you can, as long as they're the right ones, right? Yeah. And I, I remember asking my dad, so what happens if you marry the wrong person? You just have the wrong babies and the, where you put the babies in the trash? Like, they're just like, I don't understand. Yeah. But yeah, but it just, they have an answer for everything, but he didn't really have an answer for that one. <laughs> You're just not supposed to do it. That is awful. And there's just this whole conversation. I'm just like, how, why, all the things. But there's something that I really want to touch on, and I think you're passionate about this too, is that because of this, because the woman is responsible for having all the babies, bringing down all of the souls and multiplying and re replenishing the earth, as the quote the Mormons use, mm -hmm. they don't realize they have all the power. They're, they're mm -hmm. diminished and they're beat down and their rights are stripped away and their identities are stripped away and they are just treated as possessions, yet they hold all of the power. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that they they put so much effort into making sure we don't get an education, making sure we don't have the knowledge to be able to even leave, yeah. <laughs> even if we wanted to. Yeah. Uh, really beating you down. Like like I was saying earlier, I think I said this in the other episode, I was punished a lot and I had a bad reputation because I spoke up, because I asked questions and because I showed Bible verses. I was like, what about this Bible verse that says you should not be laying with your brothers and your sisters? Yeah. You guys are doing that. What about this? And I caused so many ruffled feathers that I became... I got my reputation slandered so hard that if there was like a birthday party, and I had a lot of friends, I was a very social person there, but if there was a birthday party and there was a rumor that I was going to be there, then parents wouldn't let their kids go <gasps> because I was this bad no. seed, right? Yeah, because I, I was speaking sense, <laughs> but no one does because then they make an example out of me, right? And they're like, well, if I say, I'm thinking the things she's saying, but if I say it, then I'm going to be treated like her. And I don't want that. Mm -hmm. They they really make sure to put these women down to the point of they will never realize how much power they truly have and how strong they really are. Because if they realize that, 
why would they stay? Yeah. It's a whole cycle of abuse of these victims. And I even I see it with my mom. It's like this vicious cycle. It almost seems like a, an addiction, right? Where she's she's frustrated with the situation, but then she she prays about it and she realizes that, that the situation will all pay off in the afterlife because they use, did they use this analogy in the LDS church? They would tell us your lifespan here on the earth is this like a dental, they would pulled up dental floss. It's like this long. <laughs> it's like this much is your lifespan here, but your lifespan in eternity is this wrapped around the, the world like a billion times. So oh then you think, gosh. Oh, am I going to waste this much time to go, to go like, you know, drink and have sex and have fun yeah. so that I can have eternity in hell? No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Did they use any analogy like that to you guys? So. Yeah, but I, I don't remember a floss thing specifically. I mean, they loved <laughs> object lessons, like the chewed gum mm. for your purity and the licked cupcake and all of that gross purity culture stuff. <laughs> what is it with these analogies? Honestly, they love analogies. it's so gross. And yeah, but I don't remember a specific analogy about our lifespan. They would just always emphasize for time and all eternity. <laughs> so it's like scary. You didn't want to be in the wrong kingdom for time and all eternity, especially if that was outer darkness where us apostates are going to go. <laughs> but don't you think, because I, I have my adopted family is actually LDS, and I remember joking with them being like, Hey, do a baptism for the dead for me, just in case. <laughs> because don't they don't they believe that I have the choice to accept it in the afterlife? So I don't. I think we're lost cases, Amanda. Because here's the thing: I was taught that if you know the truth and leave, you are worse off than Hitler, for example. Like oh you will gosh. go to a lower kingdom than Hitler because Hitler didn't know about Mormons, and so he never had the opportunity to accept the gospel on Earth. You can only have the I believe you can only have the opportunity to accept the gospel on earth or in heaven if you never heard about it on earth. Because if you did hear about it and you um. rejected it, then that's your deal. Like you rejected it and that's on so you. So missionaries, missionaries could potentially be damning people 100%. <laughs> 100%. Somebody said that in the comments, I think, on Calvin's. They're like, so really they're doing a bad thing <laughs> by going around and spreading yeah, the word. <laughs> just let let them, bl let me blindly be dumb yes. <laughs> and I can accept it in the afterlife. Exactly. Yeah. So I think because we've turned away from it, we will go to outer darkness. Well, yeah. But it's going to be a party down there. <laughs> well, all the coolest people I know, right? <laughs> they're there. And all the ones that I hated are going to the Celestial Kingdom. So. Right. Like, I don't want to be where they're at. I don't at. really care to join them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one thing, too, I had an argument with the... I worked for this LDS dentist. And he literally told me, because I told him, yeah, I came from a polygamous group. He told me that Doctrine and Covenants 132 is real and we will be living polygamy in the afterlife. Yeah. And I in, in a in a... In our ch not church meeting, in a work meeting, he was saying this, and I was like, "Where the hell are you going to get all your wives? <laughs> like, where are you getting all these women that are just going to give themselves to you? And does your wife know that you think that? Like, this is so, like, yeah. you are a narcissist. <laughs> they are assigned women, and also they're doing baptisms for the dead, like you said. Which I'm the opposite. I'm like, don't you dare dunk me <laughs> when I'm dead. Like, I will haunt you. Mm -hmm. No, by the time I'm dead, I probably won't care. But anyway, I just think it's another form of manipulation and no boundaries, no consent. They're baptizing. I mean, I've heard of them baptizing Jewish people. And it's like, no, they didn't want that. Yeah. They didn't and ask for that. And that's like offensive. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. What are you guys doing? To me, it's 
I don't care if they do it, but if it was the order doing it for me or like, cause so the, what the order does is when you're a numbered man, they put your number, when you die, they put your number on your gravestone. And if you were married to them, they put that number on the wife and then they did that to my grandpa. And I was so mad that they put a number on his because he was like senile when they had him join and took all of his Mm. money. And then they stamped that on his. So that's like a similar thing that I feel like I would be offended if they ever did anything with my gravestone to to say that I was affiliated in any way because I am not. <laughs> yes. They do try to keep bank accounts open to try to say that you're still a member. And I think they do that in your group too, right? Like to keep your, isn't there the like records. a list of all the people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Is your name still in there? Oh, no. I got it removed. So once I learned how, that they're using... That? <laughs> Yeah, so there's a website called quitmormon.com and it was this attorney that decided to help out all the apostates because we learned that they are using membership numbers for some sort of tax benefit or monetary gain. I don't know exactly the details, but basically they're benefiting off of these people that they baptized. For example, the the baseball baptisms where they would go and baptize baseball teams in poor countries and the kids didn't even know what they were signing up for and the parents are like, sure, they like baseball, let me sign them right here. And then they count them as members and then they never go to church. And they were doing that with also people who had passed away, who on the records says they're like 121 years old or something. And so I was like, oh, hell no, they're not gonna benefit off me anymore. <laughs> so this attorney... Um, he figured out this website where you just input your information and it drafts a legal document, sends it to the legal department of the church, and they have to remove your records because otherwise they don't really have to do anything. Some people have had success going to their bishops and saying, hey, remove my name. But a lot of times that doesn't happen. And the fact that, by the way, (laughs) this was in 2020 when I finally decided to do it. And I got something back three months later. That's how backlogged they are that said, oh, yeah, sorry, you Mm -hmm. have to have this notarized. Like now they're making us jump through so many hoops and it's just insane the lengths they will go to keep people on the records. So I had to go to a freaking notary mm. to get it signed and then send it back. And then I got the thing saying, you are officially removed. And I celebrated. <laughs> wow. It's almost like it seems like they just want it to be harder for you. They Absolutely. want you to have to work for it. <laughs> yep. It's crazy. So all the coercion, manipulation in the mainstream Mormon church, we aren't raised to know about the true history of what's going on. We don't know about the craziness of the the actual truth of polygamy with Joseph Smith and mm-hmm. the coercion and everything. And so I, I just tell people, like, if you want to be Mormon and it brings you peace and joy and whatever, that's great. Just know about what you're signing up for. Know about yep. the religion that you're giving your money to, because it's not just somewhere you go on Sunday. You're giving your time, your effort, your uh, resources, your talents over to this organization that's not really using your money for any good. Yeah. They have billions of dollars, and yet they're asking for volunteers to do literal landscaping at the temples. Like, I just saw something from Mormon Stories, John DeLynn posted it, or they're looking for volunteers to do yard work at the temple. And I'm like, you have billions of dollars. Do it yourself. Yeah. It makes no sense. They're just trying to scrimp out where they can, where they yeah. know they can. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not for it. Yeah. I'm not for it at all. So is there anything else? We've been chatting for a while, and I love it. We could go on forever. <laughs> is there anything else that you want to kind of button this up with as far as the polygamy, the incest, all of the crazy stuff happening in the Kingston group that we haven't covered already? I mean, we covered the majority of it. I always feel like... Like, I think that that's one thing that the LDS and our group have in common. Well, we have a lot in common. But that whole, like, where is my money going Mm -hmm. thing that 
like I wish there it was an there was an easier way to explain the banking system, but I feel like um I don't know if I even have time to explain it all, but there's so much where I I agree with you. The the reason why I didn't join the LDS was because there was there's no transparency. Yeah. You have to dig to find the truth and if there was more transparency and there was more accountability, I would have more respect for that because I just left a cult that I had to I had to sift through all the lies to find the truth and to find out where my money was going, why we were forced to put our money in this bank account and forced to sign a 10% form every year. Mm-hmm. So, I just I feel like if these religions would just be more transparent and more honest, there would be and, and be held accountable, like like they're wanting us to be held accountable, exactly. right? Then they should also be holding themselves accountable, like lead as an example. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's all they have to do. But they don't want to do it and they're <laughs> running from it. Yeah, we did have some questions about the banking. Let me see if I can pull one up just so I can give them a little bit of airtime. Yeah, Brick says, have her explain the job payment and banking system. It's wild. Angelica said, please try and describe the banking and how that works from the order. So people know that there's some shady stuff going on, but they don't know the inner workings. Mm-hmm. We covered it a little bit in the previous episode. But if there's any specifics that you want to mention about that now, feel free. Um, yeah, it's so hard to explain to someone who has never been raised in it because like when I, when I was trying to explain it to you, I was like, I can't say card line, call card line, <laughs> get an add on because this is verbiage that only the, the order knows of. So to try to like to simplify it, but. I think one of the most shady things that they did with that banking system was obviously like sometimes, uh, you, your bank account number wasn't even going up and you weren't even getting paid. And then you would go ask, Hey, I, uh, how come my, my statement says the same amount from three months ago? Yeah. And then they'd be like, Oh, well, you didn't know that you were, when you work in this area, then it's, uh, for free. <gasps> you <No>. didn't know. <laughs> this happened to even some of Paul's own daughters. They're like, wait, I didn't know that they were working like in the kitchen at, at the school. And they were like, oh, you didn't know that if you're working in the kitchen, it's for free. They're like, mm. no, because I wouldn't have been working here. Oh my gosh. And they're like, well, now you know. <laughs> so they did stuff like that. But then I think that the, the work, one of my, the things that bothered me so much was that whenever there was like a discrepancy, like someone saying, Hey, uh, this, my money should be way more increased than it is. Then they would say, Oh, uh, at the end of the year, there's a surplus or at the end of the month. If there's a surplus, we put it into what we call a back account. It's your back account that goes into your savings so that you, you don't touch it and you just, you just work on your, your surplus goes mm-hmm. into that back account. And so it was their way of describing, like, you would say why they'd be like, oh, it's to help you save money. It's to help you, you know, put it into this account for future reference. Like they had all these reasons as to why the back account existed. But then when you would ask, can I see my back account? How much is in my back account? Can I draw out of the back account? And I personally did this. Can I withdraw from my back account? And this is after I had my bad reputation. They said, you don't have a back account. (laughs) I'm like, but my, okay, so my whole life, you were telling me about this back account. And now, and and my whole life, my, my account never went over a certain amount. And now you're telling me that there is no back account. Oh my gosh. What? And they're like, yeah. I feel like I would need a whole episode to explain the banking system, but it's basically them in control of your money. You yeah. don't have debit cards or credit cards, really. You, it's, and that's what's hard, too, is if you try to leave, where's your line of credit? How, right. you, can't, you have to start fresh in the new world, right? Right. I didn't even consider that. Maybe we'll do a whole episode on that. I know. <laughs> Talk about the, the crazy financial stuff, because even the mainstream Mormon church is doing crazy stuff. So, yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot. But before we close up, I wanted to answer some of these other comments or questions. 
This is from Angela, and she says, any updates from Jessica from Escaping Polygamy? Also, will that show ever come back in any form? It was such a powerful series. I so admire all that they did and are doing. Oh, yeah. I love Jessica. Um, she actually just invited me out to, we might be spending the 4th of July together. She, she's doing great. And then her sister, Andrea, uh, announced that she was engaged. Oh. Um, that's the lawyer. Everyone, I still get messages. They're like, Manda, how's lawyer school? And I'm like, that's Andrea. <laughs> I never went to school. <laughs> so, but yeah, Andrea graduated law school. People, people are, always obsessed with like knowing how that went because she was going to law school while she's on escape police. She graduated. Um, and then Jessica got her degree in, um, Oh, I know the word for it. Uh, was it the social sciences or, um, yes, so social work. Social she work. got her social work. Uh, she's working in the social work field. Um, and then we have me who's here with you now. <laughs> hey. Yeah, Colleen and Chanel, they're sisters, and they they seem to be doing really good. Chanel's got her three girls. Jessica's got her three girls. Those two are the ones that have the the two, the three girls, and the rest well, of us don't have kids. <laughs> you skipped over you though. Like, what are you up to right now? How are you doing? I know I I am in a weird place right now because I I I got married on the show. Right, the pilot is me getting married at eighteen, and I was so excited to get married. I really do feel like. I remember feeling like I'm wasting my life, mm. like I should be married right now. And I've, and I did want to have kids and I had this whole idea of what I wanted my life to look like that I didn't even realize was still based off of my brainwashing. Yeah. So then when I'm, my brain fully developed at 25, cause your brain doesn't fully develop till you're 25, right? Right. And at 25, I realized like, I don't know if I resonate with this anymore. I don't know if I, like the person that I am. I don't know that I, my values are, I'm living up to my true self. Mm -hmm. So then I filed for divorce and that's when I moved to Vegas. I hopped over to Vegas, saved up while I was working there and bought a home. Yay. I mean, it's a, it's progress, but I still feel like I, I really want to find my, I struggle with my uh, self, sense of self. And I don't know if that's because of coming from where I came from and not being able to have a sense of self yeah. and now finally getting to discover it. Do you ever have this, this like, do you have a strong sense of self? Like, you know who you are, where you're going, what your path is? It took a while. So I left when I was 20 and living in Vegas, and I'm almost 33 now. So I would say I was always a very headstrong kid, and I wanted to be a star, right? I'm going to be a movie a movie star in Los Angeles, <laughs> which kind of came true. Yay for me. <laughs> but um, as far as sense of self goes, though, I think it took a long time for me to develop it because when you are raised in a cult, your entire identity is the cult. And it's your sense mm -hmm. of self is for a Mormon like I was. It was you are going to grow up and get married and have babies and get married in the temple and and have your kids go on missions and be a homemaker and all of those things. I always knew that I had something else I wanted to do. I was always very creative and I wanted to pursue that. And luckily, I had parents who fostered that and didn't just say, yeah, go to college for now till you get married. My mom was very much like, yeah, go and explore and do the things because she got married at 19, mm -hmm. classic Mormon. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I feel like my environment was a little bit more geared towards exploring myself. But at the end of the day, my identity was Mormon. That's who I was. That's who I wanted people to know I was. I wanted to spread the word and save people and 
be a good person and all that. So when it came down and it was all fake and it was like, wait, what did I just spend my life doing and why was I suffering and, mm-hmm. and pushing this weird stuff on other people and strangers in Vegas at the Las Vegas uh, pool where I was a lifeguard? <laughs> it's like You're like preaching oh. the word of the Lord. Girl, I was preaching. Like, this is a pool. <laughs> we could baptize you right now. <laughs> In the Wait, did you go on a mission? Waters. I didn't, no. Um, I went to Vegas for fashion design and, oh, and your family there I was that. a lifeguard cool. at Hard Rock. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I was a lifeguard in a string bikini. I was super sinful on Sundays. And that was actually one of the things my bishop tried to use against me when we slipped up and I wow. had to go confess. He was like, I think you should look at other parts of your life. What are some other things that you think that maybe you could be doing better? Like, I know that you work on Sundays and I know that you dress modestly and just just like trying to pull every little part of my life apart to make me feel like I was the worst and that's why I was sinning and that's why I was a bad person. So yes, identity Mm -hmm. 100% wrapped up in the culture that you are brainwashed to believe is the truth. Yeah. And so that's why I'm saying, like, with my update, I'm like, I honestly, the thing that's at the forefront of my mind is my identity. Like, I want, I want so hard to be the version of myself that is in its truest form, the mm-hmm. honest version of myself, no f- fearless. Have you heard of the sense of self where there's three versions of yourself? It's like how other people perceive you, how you perceive yourself. I can't remember the third one, but basically, if, if you are, living your truest self all of those are in line people will describe you the same way that you would describe yourself you are living your truest self and that's supposedly uh how you can be your happiest self too and i feel like i'm trying to find that but i think that when we come from these cults who build you up to be this thing then you leave and you deconstruct and you rebuild and then you deconstruct and you rebuild it gets so exhausting i just want to be there (laughs) yeah it is exhausting and it does take a lot of wrecking before you can rebuild because mm-hmm. even if you just want to say I'm fine I you know I don't do these certain things anymore but now I have all this other stuff you're still building on a foundation of maybe you don't realize you still hold racist tendencies not you specifically but maybe you don't realize you still view women as just mm-hmm. baby making machines oh, yeah. and maybe mm-hmm. you don't know all these programs running in the background until you really sit and reflect and you take inventory and you observe your thoughts. I mean, that's uh, Eckhart Tolle, right? The power of now where it's once you can observe the observer, that's when you're really conscious. That's when you're aware mm-hmm. is when you can go, oh, I just had this weird thought and I don't think I believe that. I think someone told me to believe that. And it takes so much time because it's hard to be aware of things that you aren't aware of, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I, that's what the whole, like when my brain developed, I realized like, why am I asking my husband for permission for things? Why am yeah. I, uh, I, I realized that I was still living by the rules of the order, like where I put him as the head of the house. And I was like, that, I don't believe in that. I don't resonate with that. And if, yeah. if that's going to be an issue, then that's going to be an issue. <laughs> but, um, I feel like I'm closer than I've ever been to that, but I want, so badly to like be I think sometimes I rush the process and I get mad with my therapist and he's like just calm down (laughs) but do you feel like you get a better sense of self like YouTube and being able to see yourself and have see how other people perceive you really helps you identify that sense of self or like decide if you resonate with it or not that's a really good point so I feel like the line of work I go into is it's helping me a lot to be able to get to that point Mm -hmm. but it's 
it's a struggle for sure. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel like this is therapy for me in some ways, especially hearing other people's stories and recognizing that you're not alone and going through all these things. Mm -hmm. And there's so many times where I just reflect and have aha moments where like I did an episode with someone from Children of God. And if you aren't familiar, their leader was a disgusting pedophile. And he believed that God is love and love is sex and they should have sex with children. Oh my awful, God. Awful, awful stuff. Yes. So she came from that and she was talking about how with zero education, she signed herself up for high school and she was this perfectionist. She became valedictorian of her college. And I'm like, how did you do that? Because you had almost zero education and somehow she just mm -hmm. rose to the top and she's like, oh, it was my culty programming because I was programmed to be perfect and I was programmed to believe that I'm the best and I there was no other option. And I had this aha moment where I was like, oh, I feel like that's me too. Like I was programmed to believe that I had to be perfect and that I had to be the shining example of what a Mormon should look like. And I need to be this light so people will come and ask me, what are the things you're doing? And I'm like, here's the Book of Mormon. And it's just all these things kind of come up, but it's something that I never would have really been conscious of unless it was reflected back at me. So 100% this mm -hmm. YouTube channel has been really helpful. And uh, I, mm -hmm. I just love what you're doing too. You are just shedding light in all of the dark spaces and we are like culty sisters in crime. <laughs> I know, I was gonna say, we, we basically, we're coworkers. <laughs> just yeah. Working for the yeah. same thing. Same mission for sure. And you're so much fun in your videos. I'm just like cracking up some of the stuff that you're saying and the faces that you make. I'm just like, I love her so much. <laughs> like you're- Some people think it's not like- Professional, professional but i think i mean you probably go through this too where it's like you have to laugh and make jokes about it or you're gonna just keep crying you about have to it. like and sometimes it's therapeutic and it's okay to laugh people mm -hmm. yeah of course giving respect and holding space for those dark conversations is a thing and i can't laugh through all of my interviews but there there are spaces where you can bring light and joy into it because like you said if you don't laugh a little bit, you're going to cry. And sometimes mm -hmm. laughing is the best medicine not to like gloss over anything in toxic positivity and all of that, <laughs> but just to be able to look at yourself and be like, wow, I was kind of dumb for thinking that and that's okay. And I'm a little silly and things happen and you believe some weird stuff too. Let's laugh about it and compare notes. Yeah. Like it's okay to do that sometimes. Right. I agree with that so much. And it really is. It's therapeutic to be able to just laugh about it mm -hmm. and um resonate with other people that are going through the same things yes so it's crazy how similar our stuff was but we grew up completely different different yeah. worlds different lives but very similar <laughs> definitely parallel lives we we're kind of like on either side of the same track in a way mm -hmm. <laughs> so i have one more comment from shiana and i hope i pronounced it right love in capitals amanda and i'm sure it'll be a great show i'd like to know if there are any dedicated resources for former polygamy members like education therapy network community of supporters and i know you got one so let's drop yes it. yes 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 it's the holding out help i always have them in the description box in all of my videos uh they're the ones that helped me when i first left and they do have uh t i believe two therapists now and i i got free therapy from them for a while and mm. they are now offering other therapy like they do EMDR. They offer like I think they offer neural feedback now. They're getting very advanced with the therapy that they're offering. They help with resources on like if you need help getting uh, health care, applying for jobs, like just the basic stuff that you don't know 
you don't know when you're leaving a cult. Like, you don't know how of to course. apply for a job. You don't know how to – some of us don't even know how to do our taxes because we have the tax lady in the order doing it. So signing up for a bank, all that stuff. So holding out help is a really good start for someone who is needing, you know, kind of just a gauge. And some some – they do – help some kids to like get adopted into families if that's something that you're interested in too so that's the holy help is i always i'm always like this is a good resource and i also do have um i forgot to mention this i do uh mystery art on my website and 70 percent of the profits actually do go to holding out help i i I used to do auctions every year but now we just have the website up if anyone ever wants to purchase art done by me if they do the mystery art on my channel you like get a uh you don't know what you're gonna get but it's a mystery (laughs) but 70 percent of that goes to holding out help and it's kind of my way of like giving back to them because they helped me when in my darkest hour right yeah Oh, I love that. I love that question, though. (laughs) I love that so much. We'll put all those links in the description below. Make sure you go check out Amanda Ray's channel. And uh, I'll put that also in the description. And Amanda Ray Grant on Instagram. And real quick, do you have that sassy statement, that Linda Listen statement? I was thinking, (laughs) what is this? The sassy statement. All I can think of is just like, don't don't boink your sisters. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Say, like, I just don't know why I have to be even saying that, but, like, there's so many fish in the sea that you don't need to be doing you that. You don't but need also, to be doing that. <laughs> don't bonk your scissors, yeah. <laughs> my dad, yeah, he's still doing that. Oh, my gosh. I, don't... I can't I, I can't do it because I, I can't tell him not to because he's it's in the name of the Lord and you can't tell him he's doing anything wrong. But Yikes. basically, I like to live by the two rules. Uh, treat others how you want to be treated um and also like don't tell other people how to live their life unless it's hurting someone like don't get involved unless they're hurting someone oh my god that's the only two rules i have in life <laughs> yes well this has been amazing thank you so much for taking the time to come on here with me and share all of your wisdom and cringy stories i think the worst part you said what is the most shocking thing it would have to be like claiming the child as an infant that is disgusting and i'm not okay with it and oscar (laughs) wants to join us if anyone else wants to support the podcast it would mean the world if you could become a patron patreon.com slash cults to consciousness if you like this episode you're definitely going to want to check out this one the previous one we just did with amanda and we can link another one to one of our our other fundamentalist groups and until next time follow your highest excitement be conscious and be well thanks for listening if you like what you hear it would mean a lot if you could like and subscribe on youtube and leave a review or a comment to help with our visibility you can also find me on social media at cults to consciousness or reach out by email at cults to consciousness at gmail.com